Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Hit the pace car! What for? Because you hit every other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. He talks to me. He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you, and rubbing son is racing. Good evening, race fans. Welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network. Welcome to Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we go over this past weekend of road racing across the world. So, um, the big winners this week, um, Lewis Hamilton, Joseph Newgarden, Martin Truex Jr. Let me introduce you to the panel I have assembled tonight, which is not those three gentlemen, but instead I've got Mr. Gray Warren, Mr. Seth Eggert, and Mr. Richard Uden. How are you guys today? We're doing terrific. Doing How good. About you? We're doing great. It's a close second between those guys and ourselves, isn't that? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, you and Hamilton are almost interchangeable, so. Um. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You're the president of Lewis I mean, Hamilton, but that's where it stops. That's the, that's the big difference. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, um, man, a lot of just interesting reactions coming out of out of uh, the race weekend. And one of one of the most interesting that I want to talk about a little bit is um, Alexander Rossi and his aggressiveness. And it's funny. I was reading some post race interviews and whatnot. And uh, Takuma Sato, that's Takuma. You know, no no risk, no reward. Sato. Uh, called out Alexander Rossi for being extremely aggressive. I'm okay. So if Takuma Sato was calling you aggressive, <laughs> I mean, you got to be pretty darn aggressive. Now, Richard, you've worked with Takuma a little bit. What are what are your thoughts on on this Rossi being called out for being overly <laughs> aggressive? Um, I, I personally, I think it's good for the sport. I mean, he wasn't penalized, uh, um, but uh, yeah, he's making it—he's making it hard to get around, and he's—he's uh, going to push you uh, out of the way too. So, uh, what are what are your thoughts? If Takuma thinks he's aggressive, my gosh! Oh yeah, now for sure. And, and first, I just want to, Takuma is a great guy. He—he's a fantastic guy to work with. He's very down to earth. He's, you know, he—he's great. And um, you know, but he—he he does, you know, he—he he pushes the limits. And, you know, he, he, I mean, we saw in the uh, Indy 500 a few years ago with him and Dario, wasn't it, that he, uh, he sort of went for a gap that maybe wasn't there. You know, he does everything he can to be successful. And I, I watched, uh, watched the race this weekend. And, yeah, what are my thoughts on the, some of the moves that Rossi was pulling off? 
there's a difference between being what I would call assertive and what I would call dangerous. You know, he, he, he was putting his car in a position which made the other drivers have to change their driving style or their driving line or whatever it may be. Uh, I don't think at any point he did anything dangerous. Now, I mean, that track is a, is a you know, classic one for being particularly dangerous if you're, wrong, if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, but I don't, I don't think there's any real scenarios this past weekend where I would think it was dangerous. I just thought it was, I don't like the word aggressive. I just think it was assertive. Yeah, I mean, the, the guy wants to win, wants to win a championship. And he's just, it's funny because he is, he reminds me of Takuma. And so, and then the other guy who uh, who was, I guess, the the, the victim, right, of uh, Rossi's aggression was Robert Wickens, who really did have a lot to say. You know, Sata said he was, he planned on talking to Rossi. I, I mean, him, him and Rossi were teammates last year. They get along quite well. Uh, Wickens said he had no plans to talk to Rossi, but rather said, um, karma's a bitch uh was kind of what he had to say uh as in you know later later in the race there uh rossi mysteriously had the shims on his um front suspension fall out i don't know if that was a result of his aggressive driving or uh just a a, a flaw in the car because we saw his teammate uh zach veach have the same sort of issue which made me uh kind of hope that um yeah, hunter ray was going to be able to hold it together there but uh Hunter Ray, again, um, brilliant drive for him, leap, leapfrogged from fourth to second in the championship uh, based on a, a strong second place uh, behind uh, Joseph Newgarden, who was untouchable all day. Uh, Newgarden still lies, I believe, uh, fourth in points. Um, he's got three wins on the season. He's leading in wins, but uh, his non-wins have not been, uh, <laughs> you know, they've been out of the top ten. So uh, championship battle, you know, tightening up at the top there. Dixon is um, pulling away, and Dixon is all over the news this week because it has come out that McLaren is interested in Scott Dixon to be their lead driver for their IndyCar effort next year. Uh, and Dixon has confirmed, indeed, uh, that McLaren has contacted him. Now, Dixon didn't say any more than that, um, other than the fact that he is focused right now on this year winning this championship and it'll be later in the year till he really has time to think about that but the uh the thought of dixon out of a ganassi car after being with the team since 2002 is kind of hard to wrap my mind around uh and the other the other thought that i have is is that everyone was pointing that we might see alonzo full-time in the mclaren indycar uh next year and Zach Brown has recently said that they really like to keep Alonzo in Formula One. So, uh, and on top of that, there's rumors that uh, McLaren on the Formula One side has been talking with Daniel Ricciardo about replacing Alonzo should Alonzo decide to go elsewhere, which would be the IndyCar team. So, this this is a lot of a lot of idle talk going around here. So, uh, Gray, Seth, you guys heard some of this. You have any thoughts on uh, any of these? potential moves or um or you, you think Dixon's probably happy where he's at it's hard to say you know I, i'm sure you know dixon and several other people are probably going to be approached by um by uh mclaren before it's all said and done um i wouldn't be surprised if maybe will power and, and new garden uh weren't uh, uh you know uh they explore, ask them. It doesn't hurt, you know, to ask people anything if they're interested. 
of course, obviously they're in a good situation. Pagano, he'd be another one that uh, might be uh, might be tempted. So yeah, I think I think that deal, if it, you know, is it is it you know the pot gets stirred more and more, and and, and we don't know that it's going to become a reality yet. It's it's uh, you know while we're talking and uh, you know the potential for it right now. So who who knows what'll happen. I think that uh, it's interesting that, that they're, they're going after Dixon. I mean, I think I think if McLaren are going to do this and, and come in, which I think is obvious, pretty obvious that they are coming in to, to, to run a team in IndyCar, there, I don't know the contract situations of, you know, some of the guys you mentioned there, like uh, Will Power and Joseph Newgarden and guys like that, but I don't think they're going to want to come in and, like, upset the establishment by trying to poach guys that are, um, you know, under contract for 2019. Right now, Dixon Dixon is in a contract renegotiation year. Dixon is a free yeah. agent, so that's that, that's so that's that's the in, that's the interesting wrinkle there. And the other thing is, if if you read Alex Zanardi's book, um, he kind of highlights uh, just how cheap Chip Ganassi can be. And I, I really have a <laughs> I really have a feeling that without the target money there, that yeah. that that McLaren with their resources will be able to offer. Dixon money that will make his eyes, you know, also what money he's never well, uh, never seen the likes of before. And you, um, and you look so, at the guys. Well, oh, it would be the, it would it'd be a fitting end to his career if they came and, and, and really paid him well to to uh, to help get them started for, for sure. Certainly, but, yeah. Um, what um, who's going what who's going to fill that team? Is, is it still Andretti? Still the the main. Uh, uh, well, it's not. It's, it's not confirmed. Matter of fact, Michael was talking about it this week. I, obviously, they like to go with Andretti. Uh, they they you know partnered with Andretti for Alonzo's 500 effort. Um, you know, year before last, and uh, but Michael said the decision hasn't been made, and he said they really need to make a decision within the next um, 60. You know, next 60 days or so, next 45 to 60 days. Uh, so that there's enough time to have it set up. So, uh, and then the thought is: is it just one car being added, or if they're hiring Dixon and Alonso to have a two-car effort, which which puts Andretti in a situation of fielding six cars, which I I believe is is just overextending it a bit. Uh, although five cars with McLaren's money is definitely doable, uh, and if anybody can do it, it's it's the Andretti organization. So here's a question for you. Here's a question for you, very quickly. Why do McLaren need to go with a partner in this? You know, the resources that they've got and the engineering knowledge that they've got. I mean, because let's not, you know, let's not be unrealistic about this. You, you know, you take an IndyCar team. They're probably, you know, okay, Andretti and Penske are two, you know, and, and, and Ganassi are the three big teams. But they're probably a tenth of the size of somebody like McLaren. You know, you take some of the highly skilled engineers at McLaren, and all McLaren can, you know, hire pretty much anybody they want. Hint, hint. Um, and uh, you know, they could go out there. I don't. I've been thinking about it. I understand why they went with somebody at the Indy 500 last year because obviously it was a one-off thing. But if, if they're going about themselves, then why do they need to partner with another team? You know, the sh- it's not like the designing parts, and they need knowledge about how the car works. I think it's more of a, uh, you know, you, you look, you look at g- coming in with an established team, you're, you're going to get their resources 
and it's less resource. You can bring all the technical uh, stuff to bear and, and augment what they've already got. But there again, you know, McLaren doesn't have to commit to brick and mortar and, and uh, buildings and a lot of overhead. You know, they can they can basically do it with with their technical expertise and their and equipment and augment. You know what what. Uh, Andretti's already got <coughs> that he's that he's made investment in. But McLaren already have a very very large physical presence in the U.S. I mean, they're the company that makes all the common oh, yeah, sure. for both NASCAR mm-hmm. and IndyCar. So, in terms of you know physical structure, they probably could find an area. I mean, again, you look at the McLaren Technology Center in Woking in the U.K. and you compare it to the facilities that Penske and Andretti and Ganassi have. I mean, you know. What you, you basically run, a, run an IndyCar team out of a, a shed compared to what McLaren are used to running out of. So yeah, I, it's, I, it is interesting, yeah, but my, my thought is that they only want to do the partnership for one, maybe two years. And then, yeah. uh, just in order, I guess, to acclimate themselves to the series. Because you figure they've, Andretti's got how many years of data on these tracks? And they, they've done, uh, you know, a lot of the, being the, being the Honda, you know, de facto factory team, uh, they've got a lot of the, the engine. You know, so I don't know. I don't know yeah. exactly why yeah, yeah, why it, why they won't just jump in on their own. But if you look at all the other some of the other smaller teams trying to get in, they're doing it through these technical partnerships. You know, Shank is aligned with uh, Schmidt Peterson um, and whatnot. So and then, yeah, but I mean, again, again, in all fairness, you compare Shank to to McLaren, to, to McLaren exactly, exactly. Yeah. No. So, but we'll have to see how it all shakes out. But like I said, again, you know, Michael said they need to if they're going to make a move, they need to make a decision, you know, within the next month. So, uh, so, but, but anyway, so uh, that that's all interesting to uh, to talk about. But then the other one is Alonso. Is he staying in Formula One? Zach Brown says he'd like to have him in Formula One. You know, if he yeah. if he's committed to winning the Indy 500 and getting his little little Graham Hill triple crown, that's going to mean he's going to mm-hmm. sit out Monaco again. Um, you know, will you know will the you know will this Renault engine uh, be a winning car for them? So far, it hasn't. Uh, it hasn't changed their situation at all. Um, so, I don't know. I don't know. And then, yeah, I think it's interesting. I think you look at. You look at Alonso's body language, and sometimes it's very hard to read. You know, sometimes you think, yeah, he's going to, to IndyCar. He's coming over here for 2019. But then you also look at it, and you just think, this guy just isn't done with Formula 1. You know, you, you just get this impression that he is not prepared to walk away just yet. And, I mean, he's, what, 36, 37? So... Even if he doesn't come into into IndyCar until he's sort of 38, 39, he's still well within his... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online 
to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Prime in, in the IndyCar circle. Um, and the guy's reactions and the guy's driving ability, um, as, he showed, as he showed by single-handedly winning Le Mans a few weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> single-handedly, huh? Wow. <laughs> if, you talk, if you look at all the reports, I mean, there was nobody yeah. else driving that car. Was yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and, unless, uh, you re- unless you read the Japanese newspaper. Well, yeah. They, they've got a little, little, little different spin on that there, so. Yeah, but no, it's, you, you do, you know... <laughs> I don't know. I I I don't. Th- I think he'll be in that McLaren in Formula One next year. I genuinely, genuinely do. Yeah, and there's a lot of other folks that kind of feel the same way, which is maybe why we're hearing a name like Scott Dixon being discussed for the IndyCar effort. So, but anyway, so spe- yeah, speaking of the speaking of the Formula One, right? They they had a race on a spire. Was that a spirograph? I was oh, watching on the TV. Man, it just off of painted lines at the new Paul Ricard circuit give me a headache trying to watch that race but um man you know it looked like, it looked like an old tv test pattern yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> plenty of runoff room though in which they needed that on the opening lap there so uh so you guys get a chance to see the little incident on the opening lap that uh you know vitell got a little got got you know challenges inner alexander rossi i guess to, to put no. put botas off the track and then a little then there's carnage behind him with esteban ocon and uh, i want to say maybe grosjean was involved as well uh, it, yeah gasly was caught gasly pierre gasly wacky races guy yeah so yeah. um but then so vettel gets a penalty and he does a decent job driving back through the field um but at at the end of the day uh, the mercedes folks are upset that he wasn't penalized mm. more. So, um, I mean, whichever one of you three guys want to chime in on this penalty fitting the crime, go ahead. I mean, let's let's make a start. Let's let's start on it. It wasn't it wasn't aggressive driving. It wasn't he didn't deliberately try to put Bottas out the race. He made a mistake. He locked his brakes. You know, he he was try, he was being you know assertive and trying to. To make a move up to the inside into turn one. And he actually backed out. He actually let Valtteri take that place going into turn one. And simply locked his brakes. He didn't drive into him. He didn't try and force him off the road. He didn't try and put some in a dangerous situation. He purely made a mistake. And to that extent, I think the punishment is maybe a slightly lenient. But I don't think you'd want to go much further than some of the things that Mercedes have been talking about. You know, I mean, the guy... You know, the guy made a mistake, and for somebody like Vettel to make a mistake shows you how hard these cars are to drive. Yeah, so it, if if it's it, deliberate and aggressive, I'd maybe have a slightly different opinion. Yeah, and if, 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 you, if you ask me, if you ask me, right, the damage to the car and the extra pit stop and falling to the back, that's penalty enough. You know what I mean? Yeah, they got a little bit lucky with the fact it was a safety car, so you could catch well, up sure, with yeah. the tail of the field. But, uh, you know, I... I mean, it's racing. Come on, you, you've got to do this. If you stop people from doing that, then you know it, it's like the go kart racing your kids do, and they've got bumpers all the way around every corner. I mean, you know, it's come on. All right. So um, the other interesting thing I thought about the French Grand Prix was: this, wasn't that the ugliest trophy you've ever seen? It was different, wasn't it? It was a, a, a tri-colored gorilla. A gorilla. Painted. I think they were taking, trying a, to take a bit of inspiration out of. Uh, is it Dover where they have the uh, the, the, the rock monster? Yeah. Yes, yeah. it is. And then somewhere, yeah, yeah, so they're trying to get a bit of inspiration from that. But yeah, yeah it was a little then, bit, um, 
let's think of something really, really French. A gorilla. I mean, they could have. A gorilla is French, okay. Or, I, you know, I... or a, a baguette or something, but no, a gorilla. Because yeah, there's plenty of native gorillas in France. Sure, yeah, I mean, they could have just put a mime on the trophy. That'd look very French. Marcel Marceau on the <laughs> trophy, so. But I don't know. Do you remember, you remember the, 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 you remember the SpongeBob trophy from NASCAR a while oh. back? Oh, oh yeah. Kansas, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Giant SpongeBob. The SpongeBob SquarePants 400, yeah. SpongeBob so. SquarePants 400. Yes, yes. <laughs> quite a race. <laughs> hey, hey, you know what? If you're going to pay for the title naming rights of the race, hey, you, you have it your okay. way. So, I mean, because there's, right. there's a lot. Any trophy you want. That's right. Any trophy you want. I think one of my favorites is, is, of course, the grandfather clock in Martinsville is one of the most oh, unique yeah. ones. The, uh, the, the guitar that you would get uh, when you won in Nashville when that track was still a thing. And then um, the other one I really like is the giant lobster you get in, in New Hampshire. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a trade. It's an actual lobster. So, but, uh, yeah, but, the, I mean, the, the French flag gorilla was an interesting one. So, but uh, let's, um, let, let's talk <laughs> about the other, the other kind of neat deal this weekend, Martin Truex. Junior uh, scored his uh, second win in Sonoma, his third win on the season. Um, <clears throat> so now there's there's only all the multiple winners this year are coming from just the two teams, right? Or three teams, rather. Um, so, uh, yeah, Truex is a, the three races, three, win, three race wins, Kyle Busch four, Kevin Harvick five, Clint Boyer two. Um, so the... You know, Truex is kind of making it known that he's not going to let, uh, uh, you know, Kyle and um, Harvick run off with the thing. He's, uh, you know, two races in last year. Then his the way he pulled off the win was pretty interesting. And uh, he he did a little little sneaky son of a bitch stuff and made uh, well, made Harvick and them think he was going to pit. And then and then he didn't well, pit. Uh, so, yeah, uh, yeah you, can, you, you, you guys take, take me through it because I thought it was pretty interesting. But you could probably explain it better. It was all the crew chief, uh, Cole Pern, uh, and they didn't plan this prior to the race. Uh, they tried it in stage two, and it didn't work. But when they did it in the final stage of the race, Truex honestly thought he was pitting. And it wasn't until they got right before the pit commitment line that Cole Pern said, stay out. And about half a lap later, once about a third of the field pitted, Cole Pern came on the radio and said, we're pitting in nine laps. Yeah, I mean, it was a gamble. Uh, it, it, everything, you know, you can you can do that, and when you you see that coming out, yeah, you don't know how this race is going to unfold because basically the last six races they've had at Sonoma, there's been a caution inside ten laps to go, and that's a trend, and that's a trend that all these guys look at, and that's what that's what some of them were were betting on that there was going to be a late caution. Everybody runs that race backwards. And when they get in windows is when they come to pit road. Harvick did a similar situation last year and won the race, and he won the race by what uh, I forget what the margin was, but it was it was rather large. It wasn't twenty two seconds like it was this time, but it was still a rather large thing because they 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 parlayed pit strategy to to uh, to work, and it just so happened that the thing failed their way. So yeah, um, you know. It, it, it's good you sit there and look, but you got it. You got to play. You play a hand and be committed to it. And they were, and things fell their way, and they were able to uh, to uh, to win the race. And last year, uh, just touching on that real quick, uh, 
Harvick had about an 18 second lead or so, but the record books won't show that because the race actually ended under caution right. when Casey Kane lost his brakes going into turn one and knocked down the jersey barriers. Yeah, but he would have oh, yes. won. He would have won handily. Yes, that's right. But yeah, that's what I mean. It was he pretty much he he used strategy to 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 get that big lead. And I just want to say, uh, Colpern doing that as well. Colpern was doing that with the uh, injury. Uh, he actually hurt himself uh, building a treehouse back home. Uh, the corner post fell and him square in the head uh, right above the eye and uh, being a former hockey player, he just shrugged it off and put a bandage on it and went back to work. <laughs> maybe maybe that's maybe getting hit on the head gave him that brilliant idea for the pitch strategy. <laughs> you know? So, anyway, so anyway, the, um, the Sonoma, the top uh, top finish, Truix, Truix Harvick, Boyer, uh, Chase Elliott with a good rent run there, and then Kyle Busch. So you've got all our our usual suspects uh, up there near the front, um, and still um, Chevrolet winless is Daytona, huh? Yeah. Yes, and uh, this is actually the longest winless streak for Chevy since 1981, and at, for General Motors and or for Chevy since 1971 and for General Motors since 1981. So what's going on with the Chevy teams? Is it is it problems with the new car? Is it just is it just you know, the stars aren't aligned? Um, the, the the Fords and Sotos have better packaging or the Fords are aligned with better teams? I mean, usually we've not seen this kind of, uh, you know, one one car being left out the victory circle this long in NASCAR, you know, particularly how they, they fight for parity. You know, I know that uh, yeah, Toyota won a bunch of races last year and, and Ford's winning a bunch this year as well as Toyota, but uh, it's, um, it's, it's, I'm just wondering if there's something, something wrong with that, that new package or if it's just the way the chips are falling. I think it's money more than anything. Uh, so, okay. Perks? Yeah, that's, yeah, I was thinking that the, uh, the, you know, you look at the Stuart Haas and you look at uh, the Joe Gibbs. They're they're some of the two of the best funded teams in there. But uh, you know, the Hendrick team has got good money coming into it still, and uh, they've you know uh, I, does it have as much as it used to? I mean, you look at it, you know, right, they're, right, they're not yeah, getting as much money from Nationwide as they were when Dale was driving it. They're well, they're 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 paying out they're paying out so much less in driver payroll though. Oh, that's very true. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's I think it balances out. You figure what they're you know what they're paying all the the teenagers that drive there. You know, J- Jimmy Jimmy's their only big salary left, and they got all the the young kids there. You know, that's freed up a lot of money. That's that's probably you know making them able to keep it together with the uh, the smaller sponsorship values, but. Um, uh, you know, Lowe's is still in for as much as they ever were. It's just that their last year of it. So it just, it's, yeah. just, it's just mind-boggling that, uh, I, like we talked about it off the air, Who that Jimmy Johnson, is he still driving NASCAR? You know, <laughs> usually usually you can count on him, you know, at least one win every four to six weeks and maybe maybe more. Uh, we talked about this earlier in the year. Personally, I still think it's uh, tech inspection. Not that Chevy isn't trying to think out of the box or anything like that. But the new optical scanning station is still uh, keeping 
the playing field so level in the sense that the cars have to be almost exactly the way they were presented to NASCAR by the manufacturers. And uh, keep in mind, I don't know what the situation is at Richard Childress Racing, but I know uh, Hendrick Motorsports is one of the few teams that still does not have an optical scanning station of their own to test out whether or not their cars are actually how close they can get to, uh, say, crossing the line. So you, so you feel like they're playing it too safe. What, what, do you, what, do, what do you think about that, Gray? I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this. I don't know that they're playing it, playing it too safe. And, and, and I'm surprised that Hendrick does not have a – I know if we've got one at RCR, I'm surprised Hendrick doesn't have one because, you know, you've got to know what you've got going into, going, going into these races and when you go to the racetrack. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little bit befuddled at what Chevrolet is going through right now. You know, they, they touted this Camaro when it came in, and they worked on it for two years prior to the rollout and all of this and all that. Um, there may be some aero deficiencies in it. Uh, I, I don't know that that's, that's, that's all of it. Right now, uh, Ford has made a major commitment over the last two years uh, in, their, in their race teams. Uh, they stepped up when they uh, brought um, Stuart Haas into the fold. Of course, Toyota, we know about, you, we know about their, uh, uh, their investment in the sport. I just think, you know, I, I'll go along with what Richard said, too. I think some of it is, uh, uh, you know, Chevrolet's getting outspent a little bit right now, and that's, you know, that, that's part of it. Um, and the Chevrolet teams are, are, are lacking a little bit. I think they'll come come back around. Uh, you, we've seen some good runs from Larson. We've seen some good runs from the nine car, Chase Elliott. Uh, We've seen Jamie McMurray r- run well at times. They just haven't been able to put anything together. Uh, you know, we're getting we're two races from starting the second half of the season, and I expect to see Chevrolet make some gains uh, as we go forward uh, and, and get in, and go to some of these races. These guys aren't laying down on the on the on the job. They're still working and and trying to figure uh, some things out. And I think it'll come. But I think too, it's not. Just- with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1 
$1. Text the word GRADE to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun, and everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text GRADE to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text GRADE to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text GRADE to 323232 now. Text GRADE to 323232. So much that it's forged. Yeah, you got to look at you got to look at the 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 three dominant teams that are have won the, the majority of the races going back into what uh, uh, almost this same time last year. Um, Stuart Haas, Joe Gibbs, and for and, and Furniture Road. They have been the dominant teams, and I don't care if, if one of those three teams was operating Chevrolets, they possibly would still be, you know, one of the dominant teams. I think that, the, that as a group, those, uh, those teams are, 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 are just well-oiled and well-heeled right now and, are, and are, uh, are dominating the sport. Absolutely, yeah. And I, I just kind of, I kind of thought, you know, like last year about this time, I, I would have thought that maybe, you know, like young Kyle Larson, who was really uh, been improving so much the last couple of years, that a Ganassi team had been improving so much. I would have thought he'd have come out of the box so strong in a in a twenty eighteen, and thought he would have contended for the championship. But he's just kind of been, you know, he's he, he's been there, he's been in the mix. They just, like you said, they just haven't been able to put it together. They so. haven't been able to close. They haven't been able to close the deal. Exactly. And some, yeah. Some of it. Some of it. They've shot him so himself in the foot. But I tend to look at the the dominant teams. The the you know the they, the saying is the cream rises to the top. And I have a feeling that if you if Stuart Haas was fielding Chevrolets. They would still be be successful with with that. Um, um, I feel like you know Joe or Joe Gibbs. You know those teams right now are hitting on all cylinders, and uh, you know they have they have got uh, they've got their act together. They're preparing good race cars and bringing bringing great equipment to the track week in and week out. Absolutely. Now, Seth, you want to jump in with a comment before we move actually, on? Actually, uh, actually, two quick comments. One. Uh, Truex this week, past weekend that was his 18th career win, and since joining Furniture Row Racing, that's his 15th win. Uh, just to speak to the dominance of those uh, that team and the two others, but my one uh, main comment is with Ford switching to the Mustang in the Cup Series next year, should we expect the same? Uh, troubles that Chevrolet is having, if they're overthinking their car like Chevrolet may have, or should we expect them to hit right out of the box? Well, I think you got to look at look at look at what teams are gonna are gonna be fielding it, just like just like I just talked about. You know, teams with the experience and the wherewithal and, and to to do this. I I think uh, I don't think we'll see quite the. Uh, quite what we're seeing right now. And we may see, you know, Chevrolet see Hendrick and and Ganassi and, and, and RCR catch up a bit. The pendulum will swing again, no doubt about it. Uh, but uh, I don't think, uh, I think right now with, you know, you, you're seeing a team in Stuart Haas, they've got some things figured out. Uh, other than Arrow, those cars are working really well. I think they've got, uh, I think that those teams as well as the Joe Gibbs teams 
have really got an advantage when it comes to uh, to the chassis right now. They've got some things figured out because those cars turn real well. Uh, they come off the corners well. They roll through the corners well. That's part. That's a big part of the game, and and that's where they're beating a lot of people. Richard can Richard can speak to that. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I, you look. You go back to it, and you know, we can talk about this. And who's got this, and who's doing that, and who's you know where, where people are sort of positioning themselves, but. No matter what NASCAR tries to do, it just purely comes down to money, to my mind. You know, you, you look at the last four champions. You know, you've got Harvick, you've got Bush, you've got Trix, you've got Jimmy Johnson there. All of those teams are leading. You know, Stuart Haas, the uh, you know, Joe Gibbs, and Hendrick. They're the three big budget teams, and of course, Furniture Row. They're in such a unique situation that they've probably got more people working on one car than, you know, some cup teams have on two or three cars uh, because of the way they're set up. And, you know, when you see Ford move over to the new bodywork next year, I think they'll be in a stronger position than Chevrolet were this year. Uh, and that's that right. I think, I think same thing. I think that with the groups that they're going into, they yeah. will be. They'll be strong. I don't think we'll see the see the fall off that we had. I mean, Chevrolet, you look at Chevrolet hadn't really invested in any new team. No, they they've retracted. You know, they used to the, the seventy eight used to be a Chevrolet team. Yeah, the yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, also you look at this. You sort of yeah. We, we I talked talk about this a little bit before. You look at the top five Chevrolet drivers. Okay, you got. Jimmy Johnson and Kyle Larson. Then who's third on that list? Yeah, that's uh, debatable. Chase Elliott, you know. Yeah, I, but you know, yeah. But like, then you do the same with Ford. Okay, you name the top five Ford drivers. You could do that a lot easier. You go to right. Toyota. You name the top five. It's sure, very, yeah. right. And that's part of it as well. You know, uh, no. Um, you, know, you can say what you like, but at the end of the day, the guys have also got to get the job done. And if Chevrolet aren't investing investing in the driver side of things, which I know mm-hmm. comes from the teams, but it's also a lot of Chevrolet money goes into its individual team. And you also have the consideration that Chevrolet do split their um, resources between two main Chevrolet organizations in Richard Childress and Hendrick, whereas Toyota, they're basically Joe Gibbs and Furniture Row and Ford are their own entity in a way, um, and they have, like, Roush and Penske and, uh, you know, Haas working for them. So it's, um, I, I think Chevrolet do need to look at how they structure their Cup Series setup. Um, I think there's, they probably could do things a little bit better. Yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah. Some, and, and they're trying to do some collaboration, but we're not seeing any any fruits from that. Uh, yeah, nobody that collaboration ever collaboration right now. Nobody ever really collaborates these days. Exactly, exactly. And yeah. sometimes, you know, I've seen it. Collaboration can be worse for the teams overall because they'll give you what they want you to know, and then they'll keep what you know you want to be kept, and then right. so you get this situation where you're thinking, oh well, what we've got is is gospel when in fact it's only half the story and you end up going down a blind path so yeah. again i think that um, i think chevrolet is a little bit lost at the moment and probably need to need to realign themselves yeah like you said chevrolet has had the same roster for a number of years now 
and has not changed. In fact, they're they're actually probably as far as the top team, they're probably down. Uh, they're probably down uh, one team when you when you consider the seventy eight has seventy yeah. uh, eight has moved moved on to Toyota. And, of course, the Chevrolet, uh, Richard Childress is only fielding two cars, where in the past they were fielding three to four. Ganassi has remained firm. You've got the situation over at Hendrick where you've got one senior driver, essentially in Jimmy Johnson, and, and of course, you've got one that's got a three years' experience in, uh, in, in Chase, Chase Elliott. But then again, you've got the other two cars essentially with rookies. Uh, running that, so that's uh, that's a that's a big uh, uh, that, that's a lot to overcome with. Consider when you consider the what the Ford people have in their stable and their driver lineup. That's a ton of experience that they bring to the table. Uh, look at look at the guys driving the Stuart Haas cars, and and then you've got what Penske's got over there. So yeah, there's a lot of a uh, lot of talent in that Ford pool right now, and, and that's that's what's. Uh, and the Toyota pool, and that's what shows week in and week out. All right, so NASCAR is off to Chicagoland next, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, right? Yep. And the big news out of Chicagoland, if you believe NBC, is the biggest story to come out is going to be Dale Jr.'s debut in the booth as the coverage moves from Fox to NBC. So, uh, and we've seen Dale here and there and everywhere. They sent him to the Olympics, and they. Sent him to the um, the hockey playoffs, the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, they um, they've had him on their um, their afternoon uh, daily show. So uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. in the booth. What do you guys think? Yay or nay? Well, I think what I think NASCAR and I think NBC are hoping it's gonna it's gonna result in a little bit of a rating spike, uh, and it may very well in the in the first few weeks. Uh, we've got. Uh, Chicago coming up, and then follow that up with the Saturday night race, July seventh, uh, from Daytona. So we'll see what see what that does. See if it uh, spikes viewership a little bit. Uh, but then again, we're going to we, you know we're up against the dog days of summer too. So we just have to see if uh, if that uh, if that does help the ratings a little bit. But I'm sure. In all fairness, that tells you everything you need to know about NASCAR when, some, when a different announcer in the booth increases your ratings. Yeah, well, that's what they hope. I'm, I'm sure. You know, they want to they want to see if that uh, that's going to uptick, have a little bit of an uptick in in uh, in in the in the ratings right now. And everybody, and all motorsports ratings are down right now. They were, you know, um, um, some of them are, some of them are woeful. I think. Uh, I think um, yesterday's uh, overnights for Sonoma was a 1.9, and I'm sure uh, I'm sure the IndyCar race, as good as it was, didn't draw nowhere near that. Probably was under a one. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. IndyCar is usually under a one. Yeah, yeah, under a point, one. I mean, eight, you're talking. Nine, yeah, yeah, you talking like the 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 Texas race uh, was was 900,000 viewers, and that's that that is a a paltry number when you when you compare even though nascar numbers are down they're still doubling and tripling what what indycar is doing and that's a that's a shame too and you know it's it's a it's just something that's going on right now i, I don't even know what the, uh f1's uh ratings are in uh do you do you richard have you seen any uh you know I, I i i i don't um i mean i think now with the offering so many streaming services and other ways of getting it um, I think the numbers that uh, you, you see, uh, you know, through typical um, 
you know, broadcast, media, broadcast um, are, um, are interesting. But here's a, here's a quick number, actually. Sorry, I just, I just found something here. Uh, yeah, 2017 is when the latest numbers are, but, um, uh, you know, there, uh, you know, there was a 13 percent rise in the U.S. in 2017. I don't know what that was from, but you know, ah, <laughs> uh, was it from uh, Haas entering? I don't know. Yeah, uh, I, um, yeah. But, although, uh, uh, real quick on the ratings, uh, it is better than it has been in some senses. And the reason why I'm saying that, uh, I specifically remember an article uh, the year that Ryan Hunter Ray won the championship. Uh, in IndyCar, the Fontana race that year only had a .2 rating, which equated to about 200,000 people. Yeah, that's the one That's the one that was a night race in Los Angeles. So on the East Coast, right, we're, we're all still watching it at 2 o'clock in the morning. It was, you know, it was a horrible time slot um, on, a, on a Saturday night, you know. So it didn't, you know, it didn't start here until like 11 or something, so... But yeah, I, you know the, the the ratings aren't great. And Formula One, I mean, they you know they they even though they've got the contract with ABC, ESPN, I keep seeing that it's on ESPN News or ESPNU or ESPN Two, you know, which are in less households than ABC or ESPN. So, uh, but but the nice thing that uh, they're doing with that is they're showing the Formula One races commercial free, flag to flag, which is really unprecedented and 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 is quite nice actually because uh, uh, you know those of us who who enjoy watching racing on television, we know that as soon as we go to as soon as we go to commercial is when something significant happens in the race. <laughs> you know, nine times out of ten. Although I will say this past weekend, uh, not only did they show it on ESPN2 commercial-free, at the same exact time as the IndyCar race, they re-aired it commercial-free on ESPN. Okay, so they they put the better, the afternoon time slot on the network movie. Then they they played it a third time late in the evening. I remember that, just they played it again at maybe 11 p.m., so... So I mean they're getting they're trying to get their money money's worth out of it but the, the whole commercial free thing is pretty neat so um, now let's uh, getting back to uh, Chicago let's uh, let's make some picks for Chicago and then let's go back and revisit the Formula One and um, IndyCar weekends again and, and talk about those races a little more more detail then we'll make our picks for those so so for Chicago one and a half mile oval located in Joliet Gray who do you like. Oh, I'm going to go, being we're going back to the mile and a half, I'm going to say we're going to see uh, the same three, the cast of characters vying for uh, for the win there. Uh, let me see, eeny, meeny, miny, moe. I'm going to say um, Mr. Harvick. All right. And Richard? Keselowski. Keselowski. Keselowski's been winless since, they, since the Daytona race. Yeah, I'd like to see him pick yeah. one up and uh, get, get a spot in the chase. So, uh, Seth? I'm actually going to go with the driver who has the best average finish at Chicagoland, and that's Chase Elliott. Oh, that's just boring. <laughs> well, I'm just going to go with the guy who's won more <laughs> mile-and-a-half tracks in the last two years than anybody, and I'll say Martin Truex. So I'll say Truex goes two in a row, matches Kyle Busch's win column. So, all right, now that we've picked all those, I'm sure Kyle Busch will win the race. So, um, anyway, that is a – is that a night race, Chicago, or is that the – or is that a Sunday afternoon? I think it's Sunday afternoon. Okay. 
Now, in also in Sonoma, we had uh, Arca in action. Uh, Arca was in Gateway. No, okay, so K&N was in action in Sonoma. K&N. K&N. So our, our friend of the show, Jesse Awuji, was in that uh, in that race. We had talked to him about it last week. Seth, do you have any results coming out of the K&N race? In, uh... Uh, Jesse finished 15th. Uh, he spun late and stalled it, getting it back going, lost the lap. Uh, Will Rogers actually beat Eric Almirola, Eric Jones, Daniel Suarez, Alex Bowman, and uh, I forget who the f- fifth uh, cup driver was, but he ended up beating the cup drivers who were much more experienced. Granted, they were running that race to get more experience, but Will Rogers, uh, who is essentially one of the protégés of Kevin Harvick, uh, pulled off the upset against the cup drivers and won. And one quick uh, side note on Jesse Woodgey, uh if anyone... Uh, has checked him out on Twitter. Uh, I suggest you do so. Uh, he actually posted a story uh, earlier today, Monday. Uh, he helped a family this uh, earlier today. He stopped on the side of the road and pulled them out of a burning van. Golly, yeah, that's that's pretty. <laughs> that'd be pretty scary to see a burning van as you're driving down there. And, uh, so I mean, that guy continues to be a hero, huh? He's a pretty neat guy. So now let me ask you this real quick. So yeah, we had five Cup drivers in that K and N race, okay? Which is you know we've they've had this move in the Xfinity limit the amount of of races that the guy doing trucks in Xfinity. Is, is there a limit to how many K and N races they can get in? Because I know mo- no most limit. most of them don't. So I guess it's not really an issue. But it was interesting to see that many Cup racers in a K and N race. There is no limit in K and N. Kevin Harvick ran earlier this year. Uh, I think Tucson, I, I forget what track it was, but there is no limit for Kane, and uh, NASCAR is currently debating whether to decrease the limit from seven races in Xfinity down to five, uh, but they are keeping the limit for the truck series at five, so as far as the limits are concerned, they are likely here to stay for the Xfinity series and the truck series. Yeah, and, and other two, it was also announced that NASCAR has no plans to uh, use the uh, aero package like they used at um, the All-Star race uh, in, in any races for the remainder of the season. So that uh, that is out, and uh, probably we won't hear anything about that until, uh, uh, again, until next year. Just real quick, as you were saying, uh, uh earlier asking about Arca. Uh, Arca was in Gateway. Uh, Chandler Smith, 15-year-old, ended up winning the race. Uh, and the truck series were in action at Gateway as well. And Justin Haley pulled off his first career victory. All right, good for him. Um, another odd side note, um, they are bringing in massive truckloads of dirt to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and building a little... I think it's, what, a quarter-mile dirt oval inside the Turn 3 area, which that would be the snake pit area uh, for your folks. And they're going to have uh, kick off the uh, Brickyard 400 weekend with uh, a little midget race. You guys, you guys ca- catch wind of that news? Yeah, I saw that. They're going uh, to run in, in the third turn. They're going to have a uh, have a dart show uh prior to the Brickyard 400, hopefully to uh, 
create some uh, a little bit of buzz and, and some more people coming into town for the race. Yeah, I saw that. Right. So and which I'm, which I'm sorry. Which race would be attracting fans to which race? Which race would attract the fans to which race? Well, I mean, it's just it's a, hard to say. Yeah. Bring in some support. <laughs> bring in some support stuff to uh, to to give. And I mean, I, I give them I give them credit. They're trying to. You know, trying to do some things to kind of spice up the weekend, and that's uh, that's good. Give the fans a little bit more bang for their buck. So we'll see how that uh, how that goes. Yeah, I mean, it should be fun. I mean, it's there's going to be you know very small scale little track there in the in the on the inside of the turn there. They're going to have some portable grandstands around there. But uh, I guess you know that what I heard they're going to get try to get some big names there. Um, Robin Miller was walking through the IndyCar garage at. Uh, at uh, Road America, seeing if any of the IndyCar guys would be interested in doing something like that. And uh, uh, most of them had uh, the same answer. A lot of them said, yeah, that would be a lot of fun. But my car owner or my sponsor or my wife <laughs> won't let me do that. So, um, But be, uh, the only one is Gabby Chavez. He said, oh, yeah, I'm there. I'm there, ready to go. So, But that would be neat to see. So <clears throat> back to talking about IndyCars then. So IndyCar, uh, Road America, the um, this is their third year back. After a ten-year absence, um, they've just they announced they're signed on through 2021. Now um, the event has been quite successful. Uh, they said they had uh, upwards of 50,000 people for race day. Just uh, I think just a little right at 100,000 for the three-day weekend. So um, uh, you know, again, you know the. I've been to Road America, and the the fan base there are very knowledgeable about IndyCar racing, and it's kind of, you know, it's kind of sad that we didn't go there for for nearly ten years. But uh, they're back, and it looks like this one's here to stay. Uh, it's it's a driver's favorite track. It's a fan favorite track. It's a very fan friendly track. It's one of the few tracks that when you when you buy your general admission ticket, it also includes access to the paddock uh, included in the price there. So for the price of admission, you get to walk through the garages as well. You know, most uh, most tracks will hit you up for an extra hundred dollars for that privilege. So, um, but the race itself was uh, again just dominated by Joseph Newgarden. Uh, this guy's had an up and down year, but. Uh, you know, just like in Alabama earlier this year, he just, you know, got to the front and was nearly untouchable all day. Uh, so we've got Iowa coming up where Newgarden put on a clinic two years ago um, and, and led nearly every lap there when he was with Carpenter Racing. But the other guy who's got, oh, I think three wins at Iowa is the guy who's now second in points is Ryan Hunter Ray. Um, so. Looking forward to a good race in Iowa. They got a weekend off in between, so uh, we'll we'll make our picks for that next week. So um, now, Richard, do you want to run run us through any of the uh, uh, dangling Formula One news uh, coming out of the Spirograph this week that we didn't touch on before we uh, before we say our goodbyes? Uh, very little, really. I mean, this was the first weekend of Formula One's first triple header, um, so we're they're in Manicourt. Oh, goodness me, that makes me old. Manicourt. No, Paul Ricard last weekend. Uh, this coming weekend, they're uh, at the Red Bull Ring in uh, Austria, and then the following weekend, they're at uh, Silverstone. So, first of this uh, triple header weekend, I mean, I think all the big teams at least will uh, will have that pretty much down. I can't see there being much issue there. Um, we touched on it briefly. It's like McLaren went nowhere this weekend, especially in qualifying. Both Van Dorn and Alonso didn't make it through Q1. 
Williams again were terrible. Uh, then Lance Stroll had a tyre failure at the end of the race, which pretty much made the meant the race finish behind the safety car. Um, or was it virtual safety car? I'm not quite sure. It was virtual safety car, wasn't it? So yeah, it, it was good to be back in France. The crowd looked great. You know, Renault sent a lot of people there. Um, yeah, and Renault, Renault did quite well. All, yeah, all, all things considered, I thought Sainz Sainz looked pretty darn good. Yeah, he, he sort of got up there and then realised he was fighting against the big boys and then sort of retreated into his shell a little bit. <laughs> uh, Charles Leclerc making it through to um, you know Q3 for the first time for Sauber since 2015. I think it was fantastic driving. I mean, that guy's that guy's stock is ri- you know rising by the week. I mean, goodness me. I mean, you you won't you know it would, you you almost wouldn't surprise you if before the end of the year Raikkonen doesn't just turn around and stick his middle finger up at everybody and walk away and Leclerc lets his seat uh, because you know the guy is is really really schooling Ericsson quite quite severely and uh, you know making a name for himself. Um, Kimi made the podium though, saying that I think it's twenty six podiums since his last win, which breaks a record or increases the record he's held for a while now. Um, so yeah, it wasn't a bad race to be back in France. I think uh, the talk of taking that uh, chicane out the back stretch, uh, which was so confusing. I mean, how those drivers found their way around that, I'll never know. I mean, it, it did look like trying to navigate a Walmart parking lot half the time. There's that many lines and colours and squiggles everywhere. It was, uh, you know, it was almost being hypnotised. Yeah, yeah uh, I know. <laughs> and it was interesting actually to see how. You know this uh, the, the runoff area because everybody thought oh the the coloured runoff area is just to sort of denote the uh, the French flag but the, uh, the the blue stripes apparently in the runoff were a medium friction surface and the red stripes were a, a high friction surface so uh, you know the idea of you know if you got into that red stuff it would slow you down but it'd screw your tyres pretty badly um, so yeah. I, I thought it was an entertaining race, um, and hopefully they'll they'll uh, you know make some improvements. I know there was some transportation issues for the spectators getting in and out of the track, but these things always happen with a new circuit, or you know, first time they've been back there in a long, long time. So yeah, uh, 19, yeah. Ni- 1990, I believe, right? Yeah, twenty eight years yeah, since they were yeah. there last. So you know, the, and the, I mean that place has changed, you know, beyond all recognition. Um, so it'll be interesting to see going back there next year what changes they make. I mean. Does, I did read a statistic of something like the sixteen thousand, sixteen hundred possible circuit combinations there, or something ridiculous like that. So uh, you know they just they, they could just pick a circuit, can't they? Really, combination. You could have a whole you could have a whole championship on that one track, couldn't you? With all those different combinations. Yeah, I mean, but, it looks uh, it looks it looks like a giant slot car track. I don't know. With <laughs> just yeah, a, I mean, that's you know, so was, I mean, when when Bernie bought the place in the mid nineties, he turned it into this high-tech test track or whatever it's called. Um, and and you know, I, we've used it when I was working for some of the teams. We used it in the early 2000s, and uh, um, it was a fantastic facility, apart from Bernie would charge astronomical amounts of money for basically every utility you could ever imagine. Uh, I think even toilet roll was like $2 a roll or something. Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah. no, it, it is good. It's good to be back in France, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, you're talking, you know, France has a, a, you know, a long, long history of uh, of racing and car manufacturers. The one on France definitely belongs on the Formula One schedule. So we're off to Austria next, um, and that's yeah. this coming weekend. So well, you want to make a pick for Austria? Um, I keep saying this every week, and one week, Bottas. 
Okay, all right. I think I think what you could see really in the next, you know, these three weekends, though, you know, the the the, the France Austria UK race, you could easily see Hamilton win all of those and basically walk away with the championship. I think this these three weeks could be the defining week, defining period of the season. Yes, as it generally is during the Formula One season. Yeah, this this stretch is is paramount to the yeah post Canada so. and pre shutdown. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Seth, who do you like? I'm gonna go with Lewis Hamilton. All right, Gray. Gray, you have a pick for Austria. Ah, uh, let's see. I'll say Vettel. Vettel. Okay, so that leaves me Ricardo. So I'll go with Daniel. And then, uh, with that being said, just one more bit of news before we go off the air. Uh, some sad news. We learned that. Uh, uh, Jason Johnson, uh, World of Outlaw Drivers, lost his life this past weekend. The guy was a, a multiple champion, um, you know, owned a team with um, Stenhouse, uh, won a lot of races. Um, you know, a lot of folks uh, uh, knew him, met him. Uh, so our hearts go out to his friends, his family, his fans. Um, uh, rest in peace, Jason Johnson. Uh, with that being said, I'd like to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network. I'd like to thank iHeartRadio. I want to thank you, Gray, Seth, Richard. Appreciate you guys coming on. And I want to thank all you folks that uh, tune in and listen every week. Uh, again, my name is Frank Sandorowski. This is Drafting the Circuits. Good night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 